Hey, my lovely ladies, before the show starts, I'm looking for some more six and seven figure female founders and CEOs to interview. So please go to www.twwguest.com to apply. In today's episode, we're interviewing Elaine Williams. She's a visibility coach, comedic speaker, and bestselling author. She works with female entrepreneurs who are ready to step into their next level of online and in-person presence. Today, she's taking us behind the scenes to her number one secret to being consistently showing up and being visible. This should be an amazing episode. Welcome, Elaine. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. So let's get right to it. What is this number one secret to consistently showing up? Okay, I can go on and on. So here is the thing. Perfection is not real. It's not required. And even though every super triple A woman that I know is doing so many amazing things has a streak of perfectionism in her. And, you know, I think part part of it is conditioning. Part of it is the way we were socialized. Part of it is advertising, marketing, whatever. And, and I still bump up against it. And so I think acknowledging I do have a perfectionism streak and, and I'm a big fan of post-it notes because the whole game is we need you to be consistent. And you're going to have those inner critics going, you're too this or too that. It's not good hair day or everybody already knows that. And here's the deal. We need to hear things many times as human beings, especially older human beings. We need repetition. How many times, right? Tony Robbins says, I'm not teaching you anything you don't already know. I'm reminding you of what you know and who you truly are. And so, and nobody does the thing that you do like you. And, you know, and so I, I just, I had this mission. I want to help heal the world with love and laughter, one joke, one video, one story at a time. And I need a whole crew of people to do that on a bigger scale. And so every time a woman says, oh, I'm not going to shoot today, or I'm going to wait until, you know, it's like good enough is good enough. And perfection isn't real and it's not required. And here's the paradox, right? Is I can't relate to perfect. I can't like I think Marie Forleo is amazing. I've never been able to relate to her. She is so thin and pretty and perfect. She's just perfect to me. So I have just, you know, I need to resonate with the people who are like, we're down the valley in the mud and living in their car, or, you know, or whatever. Like that's always, I always want to know, how did you get out of the mud for the 13th time and get back up on again? Like that's the kind of people that resonate with me. And, and when we try to come across as perfect, a lot of times I think we can sense it and, you know, and this is another random story, but in the nineties, I was a Miller Lite beer hunter. I, I, they wanted somebody who would push the personality of the beer. And this is before I got sober. And part of what they had learned in their market research was the Budweiser girls were too pretty and too perfect and not approachable. And so they wanted Miller Lite had done this research and they were like, we wanted to hire comedians and improvers who are approachable. And, you know, that goes, I just think that that's, when you can think about that you you don't really want to be perfect, obviously you want to put your best foot forward and you want to feel good about how you look, which means light coming this way, not backlit, no crazy patterns or, you know, neon things. You want to pe- people to be listening to you and the value, not going, what is up with her hair? unless you are super creative and that's what you teach. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you're bumping up against that and then going 
to press green anyway, like that's, that's the key. That's the key. And one other thing is if you can tap into your why, why you started your business, your mission, your passion, and how it's so much bigger than just you, that a lot of times will help you push through that. Oh God, I don't, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So that is my, my secret. I love it. I, <laughs> there was so much of that secret, right? Like I think all of us can relate to, you know, having that moment when we're like talking ourselves out on doing the thing we know we need to do, whether it is a visibility thing, like, you know, pressing green and starting hitting record, or if it's, you know, going up and talking to someone we need to talk to or whatever it is, whatever that next step is in our business. Um, I think that's so, so common. I think so relatable. And the other piece that you mentioned that I think is just, I mean, there are so many, but the other one is about not being perfect in part because the people that you want to work with are not perfect and they know they're not perfect. In fact, they, they think that they're way not like they, they're saying the worst possible things about themselves generally, right? So, so, if, and why would you not want to be, you need to be the biggest beacon you can possibly be for them. Right. And if you're, you're doing this perfect version of yourself, whatever that looks like, then they're not going to hear you. They're not going, you're not going to sound like how you need to sound for them to actually hear you like a, a dog whistle or <laughs> I, I use that analogy a lot. And you know, and I'll just, when I first started doing live video, I was afraid that I was going to get bullied or made fun of by other comics because comics can bust on each other. So I was literally like this. Hey everybody. Today I'm going to talk about be bold. Like I was, I was trying to be a professional version and it was not me because I'm messy. And I'm very authentic and vulnerable. And so some people probably are like, oh my gosh, they got to just keep scrolling. That's cool. But if you want to work on your speaking from your heart and from being real and raw and still be credible, that's I'm your gal, right? And and so, and that take in, in comedy, they call it finding your persona. And when I started out as a new comedian, they're like, it takes 10 years. I was like, 10 years? I could be dead by 10 years. But it takes... Like being on the stage and kind of eating it and, and, you know, getting big laughs and then nod. And then, you know, and you just learn every time. And here's what's cool is it's not going to take 10 years to be, find your persona on video. Thank goodness. But it's kind of like the more you do it, the more you're going to find your, your jam where, where you're being you. And, 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 you know, I mean, look at Marie Forleo, her earlier video is very different. So, and. A lot of times we just do this compared despair. We don't even realize we're doing it. And, you know, everybody made bad videos at the beginning. Everybody. And just, we've, they've taken them down. You know, Kelly Ripa, amazing, beautiful human being. Oh my gosh. I saw her. I went to a taping and she was like crying and she was, she had a cold. She was having a really rough time after the first show. And they practically like kind of helped her go out stage. And then she took a little break and then she came in for the second show. But the minute the cameras were on, she was like funny and da da and J-Lo and she was doing her thing. And the minute they wrapped, she was, it was so interesting. Now she's been on TV her entire life. So, you know, be careful who you're comparing yourself to. And, you know, you want to be the best version of you. And that just takes a little bit of practice and, um, you know, some supportive friends or coach or loving or both. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about like, what was your journey to kind of uncover this secret? Um, if we're, we're sticking with that kind of idea. Well, 
when I was three. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I the show, right? Good morning. <laughs> She's going way back. Um, you know, I'll try to. So I'm in Austin, Texas, going to school, graduating, doing theater, traveling, loving it. But I always wanted to go to New York. And I was always terrified of New York. And so I finally moved to New York and I got sober at the same time, which I would not recommend, but that's how I did it. That was my plan. And so I'm running around the city and I'm, you know, auditioning and waiting tables. And I was really angry because it was hard. It was really hard. And people, some of them were super cool and some of them weren't. And people kept saying, you're funny. You need to lighten up, but you're funny. And I was like, what do you mean? You know? And so people kept saying, Elaine, you, you really, so like acting teachers, uh, casting directors, they kept saying, you really try some improv, try some improv. Cause I was just so like, I got to make up for lost time. You know, it's like when the New Yorkers are telling you you're too intense, you're too intense. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so I'm just like, fine. So I took improv and then I took a comedy class and it was, I didn't know how to write. I was funny in the moment, but I didn't know how to do it on demand. So the night of the show, I'm just like, just finish this darn class, Elaine. Just see if you could try it. So I had my little monologue. I was expect nothing, expect no laughs. And so when I get to my dysfunctional family stuff and the whole room is like bent over howling, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, oh my gosh, I was supposed to help people. That's why I had such a crazy life earlier, all the pain and trauma or whatever. I'm supposed to help people who maybe won't go to therapy or whatever, but everybody has some, you know, and so my life made sense and, and it, and it just kept me going and I still wasn't great, but I got better. I kept going, I kept getting on stage. I kept working on my writing. And before I knew it, I was touring. I came in as the funny eating sort of girl on college campuses. And then my topics kept morphing. And one of my superpowers is like helping people talk about tough things because I use humor and I'm very non-judgmental. And so, you know, that was all part of my journey, which was not on my, it was not my plan. I wanted to be the next Meryl Streep, Bernadette Peter, you know, but I feel like I'm being used in, in such a high way, in different ways with the addiction stuff, but also with my clients helping, I help the helpers. So I hope, I feel like that was a long winded thing, but I tried to do it quickly. I <laughs> think <laughs> you did. Um, Okay, so tell us a little bit about like so that one's that was the journey. What are some of the results then that like how has that showed up now for you? What kind of results are your clients getting from using this? Ah, great. You're so good at your questions. So I had this, I don't know if you've ever had this where somebody's like, I want to work with you. And in your head, I, I would think, but you're already really good. But you know, I was like, okay, tell me more. So this woman that I met, we were in a mastermind together, and um, she had been like a big tax person she's brilliant but she really wanted to go into coaching and and you know nurturing other people and she was kind of done with the corporate thing and she needed help with her video she was a great speaker already and uh so part of me is like okay so we you know i just taught her my warm-up stuff and took her through my process and and um i use humor when i'm teaching to help kind of people like loosen up and Anyway, after two sessions, her husband called me and he's like, you did it. I have been trying to get her to calm down and be real on camera for years. I don't know what you did, but you did it. And I was like, cool, you know, and I just helped unlock her need to be perfect and polished. 
And she was able to make the shift. I, I call it a settling in, like a grounding. Because when we're nervous, we leave our bodies. We leave our bodies. And most of us have had that experience. The Minnie Mouse voice, like really nervous. And we just, you know, and so I helped her. And, and I, you know, that's one example. But, but like earlier, I was talking about that woman that I helped this morning. And it was so profound to watch her have um, a little bit of a, a meltdown, but she was able to work through it. And that's, gosh, I just love that. And, you know, maybe people don't want to go be on camera everywhere, but learning to be able to speak in a compelling, concise way to raise money for your favorite charity, to enroll your kids and doing their homework to, you know, if you think about it, life is an enrollment conversation. And so when you can learn to speak under pressure, whether it's into the green dot or more things, it's such a beautiful gift. And so many people struggle with it. Or they think I should already be good at this. I've been speaking my whole life, but it's different when there's pressure. And so, you know, I, I just love helping people get over whatever that block is for them. So, yeah. So finding that, that pressure and, and, and so I think that's something probably people could even do a little bit on their own, right? Absolutely. Let's figure out what, what are you, why are you making, why is this so hard, right? What do you, what are the requirements? Maybe write out a list, right? Of like, what do you have to do, you think, before you actually get on camera? And when you realize, okay, and then go there list, it's like, how much of that actually has to happen, right? Like, or could you just cut off the road? You know, that's such a great point. And another thing is like, if you can create a dedicated corner to, or, you know, where you, you have your computer or your phone, a tripod and the light, it's just what, it's like laying your gym clothes out the night before, right? The easier you can make it so that you just step in and do your thing, that will help with consistency as well. And maybe you can't keep it dedicated all the time, but where you have it marked. Okay, this is where I put my thing. This is where I hang the light. Da, 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 da. It'll be one less excuse, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So what do you think on your kind of journey through this, like has been the most surprising thing? Oh, wow. Ooh. Oh, that's a great question. I'm like, surprise. <laughs> I think, oh, great. So um, my stepmother was crazy. She, she was a Holocaust survivor and she had a lot of trauma and she detested my mother and the feeling was mutual and it was Texas. So I'm so glad nobody got shot. I mean, you know, do you look back and you're like, Woo! I'm so glad nobody ended up in prison at least not this part of the family. But um, so for the longest time, my stepmother would say, oh, people who teach can't do anything else. Teachers are losers. Your mother is such a loser, you know? And so when you hear that every day for years and years and years and years and years, and also you better marry a rich man, Elaine, you're never gonna be able to take care of yourself. Even though I've been on my own since I was 19, but there's been a part of me that's always been like, am I, what am I, you know? And um, so, I fell in love with teaching. I fell in love with it. It's, it feels slightly different than coaching. I mean, I think the two are, are very similar in some ways, but I really love teaching and showing people, you know, seeing the light bulb go off in their eyes and, and realizing something they didn't know before 
And I just, I love that. So that's been a, a huge blessing. And it was a surprise because I, I was very much like, I never want to be a teacher or, or, you know, and um, there would be no other professions if we didn't have teaching, right? Yeah, so crazy. So crazy. So that actually is a great segue into our, our next question because I'd love to hear about like, you know, speaking of like teaching and learning things, what kind of new things are you taking on? What kind of new challenges are you facing right now? And so uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, my background is in the arts and restaurants and real estate and learning to manage other human beings has just kicked my butt. And I really get like how you do anything is how you do everything to a degree. And so I have not hired the best people. And then I start to think, am I an idiot? Am I not explaining myself? You know, I always think like a lot of women, we internalize things, right? And so that has been a huge learning curve. And I just went through a thing where I hired a friend's company and it was very like things were not happening. And then it turns out the main person had been, I don't know where she was, but she wasn't around. And I was like, okay, we're done. And then I heard the next people and that didn't work out. And the miracle was that I was like, okay. Uh, so clearly you saw that it was a priority. We went over it for an hour and a half and you still felt overwhelmed and didn't do it. Okay. That's cool. Um, this is not working for me. So I would like to get a refund and just call it a day. And for me, that's been a huge, huge thing. And the other thing that I'm still, still totally working on is boundaries, boundaries, because, uh, you know, I want to, I want to say yes to everything. It's taken so long, right. To get momentum. And now people are getting to know me. Now they want me to speak in all these places. And there's a part of me that's like, if I say no, does that mean I'll never get asked again? Mm -hmm. Right. Or like, if I say no, do they think that I'm selfish or that I only do things for money now? Or, you know, like there's all these considerations. And at the same time, I know if I say yes to everything, I'm going to be a sea of mediocrity and exhaustion. And then that's not good for anybody. And so navigating all of that, um, you know, and I have a joke that my family thinks boundaries are like, oh, you mean between the U.S. and Canada? <laughs> and it's a fake of a boundary. And that <laughs> right and i'm like no there's this thing called oh never mind you'll you'll get it next time around you know and so anyway sorry that's uh i'm uncomfortable 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 so okay so you and those things are pretty intertwined too right because so much of it is you know boundaries and hiring so much of it is this kind of boundary issue and this idea of what do we ask for what do we require back from people when we ask for things um so there's so much there, but also I think it's like you mentioned, it's so common with women, especially, I think, and I think that's so important to, to, you know, just kind of acknowledge that we so often, I actually, that, that hiring story you told is something I talk about frequently. Men don't typically do that, right? They don't hire someone that doesn't work out and then make it about them. Right. <laughs> how they failed and how they're not a good mentor or they weren't clearing up or their boundaries or whatever they're just like that person failed and so i fired them and now there's the next one right at the end there's no story it's just like and but we as women there's just all this stuff right and so i think that's so important to like 
one, I think there's good things about that, right? The fact that we are so much more aware of what's happening and then we can correct it, right? Go, oh, this is something for me. So how can I, how can I take this and apply it next time instead of just treating people like someone you can fire and move on? <laughs> but also that it doesn't have to be about us, right? It doesn't have to be internalized as a story we tell about who we are and what we are capable of. So I think that's so interesting. So I wanted to turn that around to you and say, so what do you think is the number one thing you would take away from all of us, right? The boundaries and the hiring. What do you think our audience should take away from it? Well, I do. I think having a community of people, of women, is so important. You know, I would go through stages where I was in big masterminds and then I would take a break and and um, the times when I was suffering the most is when I did not have um, like-minded people around me, entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, that was just so lonely. And I, I was an internet coach and, and then I was trying to do some stuff by myself. Anyway, and I just think being an entrepreneur is so awesome and so challenging. And sometimes it's you doing the unsexy stuff at your desk. It's unsexy. It's, you know, it's organizing your files. Right. Um, but that's where the rubber meets the road and tell yourself someday I'm going to have somebody do this for me right now. It's me. But just getting, you know, having a coffee meetup once a week or doing a Zoom meetup or I'm in some amazing communities, come follow me. I can hook you up. You know, I think that is one of the most important keys to success and navigating the, you know, there's highs and lows and everybody has them. And if you're by yourself, it just seems a lot lower. And oftentimes it can go even lower, right? It's going to go lower a lot of times then because you don't have someone to go, yeah, but you're like, you know, like, but you're amazing, right? As we oftentimes do for women, right? Because we can write everyone else's. Yes. 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 Okay. So here at The Wealthy Woman, we really believed that uh, wealth is never just about money, right? At the end of your life, you could be incredibly rich and that's all you could be, right? Um, If you don't have these other things in life. And so we like to ask all of our guests, what is is it in your life or business that makes you feel wealthiest? I love this question. And I am going to say laughter and exercise. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the two go hand in hand, right? Like if you want to change your energy state, go jump around for 10 or 20 seconds, right? And, or I put on music before we, you know, met because I wanted to be in a, in a evolved, expanded space. And, you know, laughter, right? We cannot control. There's so much of the world that is completely out of our control, right? So much of it. And really, we, if life is happening for us and not to us, hopefully we're always learning and growing, but sometimes we're human and we're like, can we stop with the lessons, right? But we can control how we respond. And so one of the most favorite things I've learned is like, if I'm having a bad day, I say, okay, this is going to be hilarious in three months or three years, right? And and so that is such a powerful reframe. And I learned that from working on comedy, working on comedy. What is comedy? Tragedy plus time. Yep. You know? And David Sadir, who's one of the most prolific funny guys ever, he says, everything is funny eventually. eventually. You know, and if Mel Brooks, can write a musical, the producers, 
and have a song called Springtime for Hitler, <laughs> then we all can be laughing at our own. You know, like that is, that's having the last laugh, you know? And so if you can take your work seriously, but not yourself so much, you know, in, in AA they have a saying, wear life like a loose jacket. And I love that because, you know, we try things on and I was fit, I don't know, you know? And, and sometimes we go, you know what? I'm, that's not my thing. It's not gonna, uh-uh. But you know, like having a sense of humor about it all, first of all, it raises your serotonin levels. It burns calories. It releases toxins. You take in more oxygen. Like why, I always tell people five minutes a day, I want you to go on YouTube and watch stand up or improv or America's Funniest videos, just five minutes. Do that as your lunch thing. It's going to elevate your mood. It's going to help you have a broader perspective that, you know, we all get as entrepreneurs. I get like this, I'm working. <laughs> yeah. So that is to me, that's wealth. That's wealth right there. And it's something you could have. I mean, you can have both of those things. You can always be moving your body and you can always be left. So I think those are exceptionally useful. Okay. So our fun version of that similar kind of question is like, what's the outside of the box, the unconventional, very silly thing that makes you laugh each day or that brings you joy? Oh gosh. Um, you know, so I teach short porn video. That's one of the things I do. And, um, I think social media is, it, it's neutral, right? It can be used for not great things. It can be used for great things. And a lot of it is silly. But to me, watching the funny animal videos, it just cracks me up. And at the end of a day, a lot of times I'll just be surfing or I'll be looking at my clients up and, you know, they have the cat things like one thing fall and then the cat and then the whole room is like decimated because the cat's like such a spaz or like dogs that sing or I mean, it's just so we human beings are so amazing and our pets are so amazing. And some of the things that people do with pets is just hilarious. And it's totally silly. And, you know, some people might say, Elaine, that's such a waste of time. But for me, it's just a great way to kind of unwind at the end of my day before I'm going to read and go to bed, you know, and, and just, um, it just brings joy. It's just so goofy and silly, but it makes me laugh. Yeah. I, I actually, that cat one, where all the other cats go crazy in there. I literally watched that this morning. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I know how good, I mean, it's just such a cat game, a domino. That's the thing. I, I think the whole idea of wasting time, I think is so easy to slap that label on things, right? Yeah. And I think we should be very careful with it because yes, there are things you should be doing and things you probably shouldn't be doing. And we should be mindful of that. Um, but joy, I mean, joy in our life is, I mean, what else is the purpose if not to experience joy or awe at animals. I love watching my squirrels jump from tree to tree. They're hysterical. <laughs> and like, that's what entrepreneurial life is, right? It is. Just dive into the tree. You don't know what branch you're going to catch, but you will catch one. <laughs> that. And you know what? I just thought of one other thing about wealth point, if I may. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I know I get like, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And to me, wealth is when you can slow down and savor those little moments, like I, I, I do hot yoga. I love it. And, and I, after it's a little bit sweaty and just, I'm just, you know, a lot of times I change clothes and I'm, 
I remember going to Whole Foods and I'm sort of like, it was such an intense class. I'm a little bit naturally high. And I remember I, I couldn't find the cinnamon or whatever I was looking for. So I said to the guy, I'm so sorry, can you show me where the thing is? And he bring, you know, right where I was. And I said, oh, it was right in front of me. And I, I said, oh, I just did yoga. And I just looked at him and he looked at me and we just giggled. And we had this like heart to heart moment of like in the insanity of being human and like, and it was just like, to me, those moments with other human beings, unexpected gifts, like that to me is why we're here. And, and maybe it's moments like that with your grandkids, you know, or, but I just, to me, that's a beautiful human to human moment where you're just like, I'm such a dork and you know, whatever. I have no idea what he was thinking, but we just were giggling kind of at my goofiness and the cinnamon and, you know, uh. So I, to me, that's such a sign of wealth too, when you can slow down and be present to what's around you instead of like, or whatever it is we do. Yeah. To not connect. Not connect. To not be here. Yeah. Well, Ali, it has been so wonderful having you on the show today. I, it has been pure joy, actually. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> if our audience wants to learn about working with you, getting more support from you, or just, you know, following you so they can laugh a bit more. How would they do that? Well, thank you for the question. So on Instagram, I'm Elaine Williams Fun, and that's some goofy stuff and tips and goofy stuff. And then if they go to captivatethecrowd.com, that is my website that has, I have a confidence on camera checklist. I also teach free classes every month on short form videos and I'm doing an improv for speakers because I want to help people not be so afraid of the audience. So um anyway, I love I love giving back and I have this awesome community. So that's uh you know please come say hi. Elaine Williams fun and or captivate the crowd. That's the easiest way. Wonderful. I'm sure they'll all do that. Well thank you so much again, Ali. Thanks for having me. This was fun and you have a gorgeous smile. So it was fun to make Thank you. Hey, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more The Wealthy Woman podcast content, make sure to subscribe. And here's a way we can help you for free. If you are a six, seven or eight figure female founder and CEO, we want to see and interview you on one of our podcast shows. Head to twwguest.com. Again, that's twwguest.com. I hope to see you on our next interview. Now, at The Wealthy Woman, we help six, seven, and eight-figure female founders and CEOs to scale their business by using unconventional approaches like leading-edge science and tapping into their unique authenticity code. If that sounds good to you and you want to get some help, then we're inviting you to book a short chat with our team to see how we can best help you. Go to www.thewealthywoman.com chat. Again, that's www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat.